Okay. You're on air right now. All right. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, uh, Paul English in uh, London, for getting us on the air. Technical difficulties with my Skype. I had to re-download Skype, and I don't have time to do, redo all the settings since Paul generously put us on the air. So welcome, Michael. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Finally. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right, finally. So uh, it wasn't the usual settings issue. It was Skype this time, okay? Skype just died in the middle of our conversation. And so we're, I'm going to have to uh, really quickly go into uh, our um, our programs, our articles that we were planning on doing here. And I think I already put it in the chat room. So I'm going to have to go in the chat room. And I think it was Is this, uh, um, his- historical Vedic, yeah. Historical Vedic religion. So let me open it up, and uh, let's just take it from the top. I think maybe the f- first couple of sections is all we really need to talk about. The um, I'll just read the intro here. Terminology: Vedism refers to the oldest form of the Vedic religion when Indo-Aryans entered into the valley of the Indus River in multiple waves during the second millennium BC, right around the time of Abraham, right? (laughs) Uh, Brahmanism refers to the further development, developed form which took shape at the Ganges Basin around 1000 BC. According to Heisterman, it is loosely known as Brahmanism because of the religious and legal importance it places on the Brahmana priestly class of society. Okay, so this is the general view of society, that Brahmanism has nothing to do with Abraham and that the Indo-Aryans are completely separate people from the Hebrews. And what we've been showing in the first two installments of this series, folks, is no, that is not true. Brahmanism is based on Abraham, okay? You can see the connection that uh, there is between the word Abraham and Brahman, okay, Brahmanism is the deification of Abraham, and as we've been showing you, the Brahmans also uh, deified uh, Sarah as Sarasvati and uh, uh, and other uh, people associated with Abraham, okay, as, such as his other wives, okay, and so we see there's an intimate connection between Brahmanism and Hebrew religion as practiced by Abraham way back when. So uh, why don't you pick it up here at Indo-Aryan Vedic religion, Michael? Thank you very much. And it's interesting okay. that they use those words, Indo-Aryans enter into the valley here. So it gives you some some that they migrated in there and then second millennium BC. And in your view, that is the correct time, time from yes. when they have entered. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, and the linguistically, the... Uh, the linguistic world, the world of academia, has always separated the Hebrews from the Indo-Aryans as if they were a different race. And uh, the reason they do that is because the Jews have claimed to be Hebrews, and therefore they assume, well, the Indo-Aryans can't be Jews, and the Jews can't be Indo-Aryans, because just look at the obvious physical differences, right, between the two. But no, the Jews are pretending to be Hebrews. They never were Hebrews. They're not Israelites. They're not anything of the kind. They are Canaanites, Edomites, and, of course, through the great infusion of the Khazars in, in modern times. No, the Hebrews were never Jews, period. Okay? The Jews were never hero, uh, Hebrews or he, he, heroes either. So once that false view 
is dispensed with, then the connections between the Indo-Aryan Brahmans and Abraham, the Hebrew, will become clear. And that's what we're attempting to establish in this series. Back to you, Michael. Thank you very much for that clarification. Okay, so now we start up on origins and developments, and we have the Indo-Aryan Vedic religion. Um, The Vedic religions refers to the religious belief of some of the uh, Vedic Indo-Aryan tribes, the Aryans, who migrated into the the Indus River Valley region of the Indian subcontinent after the collapse of the Indus Valley Civilization. And that Indus Valley civilization um, is this something that is uh, you uh, is something that is correct? They say that when they migrated in here. Yes, that's true. I mean, everything's true about this, except they failed to recognize that uh, these Indo-Aryans are the Keturians that Abraham sent east. They okay. failed to recognize it. Okay. Okay, uh, the Vedic religion and subsequent Brahmanism center on the uh, myths and ritual um, ideologies of the Vedas, as uh, distinguished from uh, Agamemnic, uh, Tantric, and uh, sectarian, sectarian yes. forms of Indian religion, which take recourse um, to the authority of a non-Vedic textual source. The Vedic religion is described in the Vedas and associated uh, voluminous Vedic literature, including the early uh, Upanishads, preserved into the modern times by different uh, um, priestly uh, schools. Do you want to comment on something? Well, yeah, I just looked up the word agamic. Uh, it's just another form of tantra. And the original tantra is, in fact, a high form of philosophy. It's metaphysics attempting to describe how God, and they call him Brahman, uh, created the world, created the physical world. And it's extremely sophisticated philosophy. There's nothing else in the world like it. And it basically, you know, we would simply say how Yahweh created the physical world from his own body. That's what the Tantra is attempting to do. And uh, the, the philosophy there is so sophisticated in uh, demonstrating how Yahweh negated himself, quote unquote, negated himself because they assumed that the universe was nothing but consciousness in a pure form, in an undifferentiated pure form, like a blank slate, upon which is written the physical world, from which the physical world comes, okay? And this is actually contained in the statement of Paul when he talks to the Greek philosophers. He said, you worship a God whom you not do not know, right? And that we are formed within the body of God. We we live within, in him, and from him we originate. So it turns out that Vedic uh, tantric religion and the Bible are very closely related, okay, as we would expect, because Abraham and the Brahmanic priesthood uh, come from the same source. Back to you. Yes. Um, 
Some, yeah, uh, what I thought about this, um, as I referred to before, that Brahman, could that be a reference maybe then to um, to Abraham because of the how central Brahman in, is in this, right. uh, in this text? Right, and well, last week we talked about, we ended the show talking about bull sacrifice or, or cow sacrifice, and that was what the original Indo-Aryans did. It changed much later. I think they talk here the Mauryan uh, period, where uh, some uh, some different priests took over. Uh, obviously, the Aryan, the Indo-Aryan religion of Brahmanism, went into decline and uh, eventually turned into Hinduism. Hinduism was is no older than 300 BC. And Hinduism is nothing but a collection of all of the religions of the area. And, and they mention here Jainism, Buddhism, the Mauryan Empire, and uh, I would include Zoroastrianism, Mithraism. Hinduism is simply a collection of all the gods and goddesses of every religion under the sun or those in the area and uh, creating a general universal religion that has millions of gods as opposed to the original point, starting point being Brahman, i.e. Yahweh, you can see that Hinduism is a total perversion of uh, Tantra and Vedic religion. Back to you. Okay, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. um, it existed in the western Ganges plain in the early Vedic period from um, 1500 to 1100 BC. That's right around the time of Abraham, folks. <laughs> right around the time of Abraham. 1400 BC? Okay, back to you. Yeah. Uh -huh. And developed into Brahmanism in the late Vedic period. And that is 1100 until 500 BC. The eastern Ganges plain was dominated by another Indo-Aryan complex, which rejected the late Brahma Brahmanistical um, ideology and gave rise to Jainism um, and Buddhism and the uh, Mauryan Empire. Right. Okay. So this is all talking really about the degeneration of Brahmanism into these various sects. It seems like every religion ultimately collapses into various denominations, right? All fighting against each other and having a different starting point of religion. So the same thing happened to tantric Vedic religion that has happened to Christianity. It's happened even to Judaism. Uh, it's happened to uh, Islam, which has all kinds of different sects, but many of them actually fighting each other and destroying each other. The early Christian period, the division of Catholicism from the Eastern Orthodox religion. Okay, every religion under the sun goes through these periods of schism and conflict. Back to you. Yeah, and today we have in our Christian church has, has a lot of different churches. You know, from America, yeah. you have a lot of them. We don't really have so many here in Sweden, but same same here. And our, our Emanieliska Kyrkan, I think is the name, that is very degenerate and is a Judeo-Christian in the church. I don't know, that word that is a misnomer too, but that's yeah. how it is here in Sweden. That's, it's, that's why it's almost impossible to define the word Christian or Christianity because there are so many different sects that have so many different beliefs, all competing for the attention of potential Christians, right? But we know that the only true form of Christianity is the covenant message, which is the only 
purely biblical message, and it's known as Christian identity today. Every other version of Christianity has totally deviated from the covenant message, just as Hinduism deviated from Brahmanism. Back to you. Yeah, amen to that. You have mm-hmm. Yeah, we have the most important is, of course, the racial aspects that we have to keep to our, our own kind. Amen. Amen. Which, well, well, which with the Brahmins didn't, because whenever white people conquer a territory inhabited by non-whites, they eventually start mixing with those people, and that leads to degeneration of the religion and the culture, etc. Yes. And we see that, unfortunately, in our Western nations today. Yes. Yes. But this is not of our own doing. This is because the international Jew has financed the migration of virtually every other race into our white countries. Right? This is not an accident, folks. This is racial warfare against us by the international Jew. Yeah, but we will prevail. You will, yes. So, let's continue. The Indo-Aryans were uh, speakers of a branch of the Indo-European language family which originated in the uh, Sintashta culture and further developed into the Andro Nova Novo culture. Those two, I have no idea what those ones yeah, is. I don't, I don't either. So, no. yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Which in turn developed out of the uh, Kurgan culture of the Central Asian steppes. Now, the, uh, the Kurgan were white. Uh, in fact, if you... Uh, I think that's uh, what you would call Kazakhstan, and uh, I, I can't think of the other nations that are up there. But, uh, you know, the entire area of the Indus Valley and northward, and to some extent southward and eastward, was inhabited by these Aryans, the Indo-Aryans, okay? And because it's such a huge area, including Iran and, and other countries, uh, I just can't think of the names of those uh you know, countries that are north of Iran. But uh, Kazakhstan, for example, if you look at videos of Kazakhstan, you will see there are a lot of white people there. Uh, there's a lot of Orientals as well because you're, you're bordering on Asia, real Asia, okay? So, but you can see there's a lot of white people even still in Kazakhstan, even as remote as it is. Back to you. Yes, it is. And same with, uh, I guess, also the same with Azerbaijan and, and those right. nations that are located there because well, wasn't that also part of our of the migration trail that yeah. we migrated away? So Scythian territory, yeah, it was Scythian yeah. territory. Yeah. Yes. Okay. The commonly uh, proposed period of earlier uh, Vedic age is dated back to second millennium BC. Yeah, and I would even uh, put it before Noah's flood, even because, uh, in my opinion, the Sethites migrated up into as far as Kashmir into the Himalayan mountains, you know, and up the same territory, so that the Indo-Aryan invasion from Abraham and Keturah is just another wave of uh, Sethites, okay, into that area. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Okay. Uh, The Vedic beliefs and practice of the pre-classical era were closely related to the uh, hypo Thesaurid, what's what is the name? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hi- hypothesized. Hypothesized. Hi- hypothesized Proto-Indo-European. No, so they're using the word hypothesized in order to suggest. Well, there really was no Proto-Indo-European religion, right? I mean, they're they're trying to. De- in many cases, they're trying to deny 
even the Indo-Aryan invasion, okay? But this article doesn't. This uh, At least they accept the Indo-Aryan invasion as historical, which is correct. Yes. Um, and shows relations with rituals from the Andronovo culture from which the Indo-Aryan people descended. Right. Now, a part of the Central Asian steppes, the white tribes that lived there were called the Uyghur. U-I-G-U-R, Uyghur. And they still have uh, isolated tribes of Uyghurs who you can look at their faces and their bodies. They are white people, and they still live there. Okay, it just shows, it, it's proof that we Aryans are a, uh, a, a race of explorers. And we will go to the ends of the earth, number one, to... Well, it's white flight <laughs> to, to escape the invasion of non-whites into our lands. And number two, because we're explorers. We just like to see what's over the next mountain, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's why your people are up in Sweden. Yeah, up here in the north. And we are exploring the forests yeah. and the mountains and uh, hiking in the mountains. Yeah, and, and why we like right. doing hunting also. Right. And that's why in the wintertime... You people don't get any sunlight, and you get depressed, right? There's even a term for that that so-called syndrome, right? Because you don't get enough vitamin D because of lack of sunlight in the wintertime. Therefore, the Swedes and the Norwegians and what's the Finns that live way up there, uh, because they get a lack of sunlight in the wintertime, they get very depressed. So they need to beef up with vitamin D. Yeah. We, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of how we are, how, how, does, how it is up here. But Yahweh has placed us here for a reason. All right, yeah, because you might be the only survivors after World War Three, uh, right? Yeah, we'll see about that. Yeah. The Finns, yeah. Okay, let's continue. According to uh, Anthonon, uh, the old Indic religion um, probably emerged among the Indo-European immigrations in the contact zone between the Serawashan um, River, and that is present-day Uzbekistan, and present-day Iran. Oh, and that yes. is... Yeah, there we go. Uzbekistan, that's another one of those countries in there. Now, interestingly, always took look at the linguistic connection. Zara, Zarafshan, okay? Who was Zara? In the Bible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The connection between Hebrew and Sanskrit are numerous, just as between Hebrew and Germanic. Germanic is one-third Hebrew. English is one-third Hebrew. Welsh is virtually 100% Hebrew. And, of course, wherever the Aryan people, namely the descendants of Seth, can be found, we see Hebrew culture as well. Obviously, since they developed so far apart, the languages differ, but as we've been showing, the root words of Sanskrit and Hebrew are, in many cases, identical, and there's a reason for that, okay? And there we have the mother, what do you say, the mother. Yeah, the mother tongue, yes, yeah. the mother tongue. Yeah, and Sarah, the mother, the, is that, yeah. I, I also learned where the, the said in the Bible, the, the Ten Commandments, that said that we should honor our our, um, what do you say, parents. And that is, matter of fact, right. a reference to Abraham and Sarah. 
Yeah, yeah, and the Eightfold Path of Buddhism is based on the Ten Commandments. He just uh, Buddha just forgot about two of them, <laughs> right? So it's uh, eight. now it's only eight, right? But in in Buddhism, they're suggestions; they're not commandments. Ah, uh, okay. There, you also missed a point, I guess. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it always degenerates. Yeah, Buddhism is a degeneration of Hebrew religion. That's what it is. Yes. Okay. okay. Let's continue then. Um, it was, and then a quote, a um, syncretic mixture of old Central Asia and new Indo-European elements. Y- yeah, and this Central Asia, that is our people migrating in, and then the Indo-Europeans, I don't know, it's kind yeah. of that. The Hebrew, that's, the, that's our initial faith has degener- degenerated, as you say. Right, exactly. Now, there's the word syncretic here is very important. I'm glad he used the word syncretic because syncretism is a blending of elements that do not mix, <laughs> that do not mix well, you know, like oil and water, right? You may try to mix them like in your Italian dressing, right, with the oil on the top and the vinegar, the vinegar water on the bottom. Oil and water do not mix. You have to shake them up together to force them to mix, but they always separate out. Okay, that that and that what we have to in the world today is syncretic religion, in which they're trying to blend all these different religions together. It never works, folks. It never works. Every culture has its own culture and religion, and it should stay that way. All right, the Arabs have Islam. Let them have it. Don't bring it over here. We're not trying to. We're not going. Well, we we're not trying to convert the Arabs uh, to. Christianity anymore, at least not over there. You get your head chopped off if you try to do that, right? And in Israel, if you do try to convert Jews to Christianity, you'll get a five-year prison sentence if convicted, right? So it's a waste of time. You know, the blacks have Hindu and various other versions of it, etc., etc. We are not to mess with their culture. No, all right. We're yeah, not to try I mean, to convert them. Yeah, yeah, but that was this miss, this miss. Uh... Uh, this misunderstanding of scripture when they said that we should preach the, this gospel to all the world, but yeah, to the Gentiles, to, yeah. Uh, you know, right? Yeah. The so-called Gentiles, right? Yeah, but this is our people, the dispersed one. That's the one they meant, not not all the people of the world. Yes, yeah, we have our religion; they have theirs. No, never the twain shall meet, and we can see that it's not working out. Wherever, and it's always being forced by the Jews because the Jews are trying to destroy our people through race mixing and syncretism. Okay? That religion, have you ever seen that bumper sticker? Do you have this bumper sticker in Sweden where you have, uh, oh, what's it? uh, Anyway, it's symbols of the different religions. Okay, you have a cross, you have the Star of David, so-called. <laughs> yeah, syncretism brought us to Easter Bunny. <laughs> right? That's, yeah, because the Easter Bunny came from Babylon. There's no, in no way, shape, or form is it Christian. And you have, oh, you have the symbol of Islam, the, uh, you know, half moon, or the, not the half moon, the uh, sickle-shaped moon, right? And uh, all these different symbols of the religions on one bumper sticker, as if we're supposed to try to try to unite all these religions, and that's syncretism. That bumper sticker typifies syncretism. Okay. Yeah, I think I've seen it here in Sweden as well. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. I have. And this then it's a syncretic mixture. I can also refer them to the statues in Daniel that uh, the clay and the, um, and that won't mix. Yeah. And I, I remember when uh, we had our daughters going to Lutheran school. And uh, it was obligatory for us to attend a Sunday service when we had our daughters going to Lutheran school. I assumed that Lutheran school was conservative, but I was mistaken, <laughs> right? And uh, I could, those sermons were so syncretistic, <laughs> right, universalistic. And the, the day that they started serving um, the, the wafer uh, communion, and I, I saw a couple of gay guys go up uh, in the line for communion, and I said, "I'm not getting in that line because they all drank of the common cup of wine." Mm. I was, oh, oh, God. you know, I said, "No, uh, I'm never, I'm never going to. You know, I have to go to church because it's part of the contract to have our daughters go to a Lutheran school, but uh, I would never take communion from them again." Mm. Oh my God. <laughs> No spoiler alert, you're going to have to give up, you're going to have to give up the Easter, buddy. But what I was getting at, every Easter, they, they started with the, the kids lining up on the sidewalk, and then the pastor and the people would put Easter eggs on the lawn, okay? And so it was like, it was like the prelude, to, well, actually, the other side of Thanksgiving, you know, like the rush at Thanksgiving, Black Friday, where everybody's lined up in front of the store and the doors open and the people rush in and trample each other to death and stuff like that, right? Well, we have a version of that, the Easter parade, <laughs> right? Where, okay, so then the pastor gives the go signal and then all the kids rush out onto the lawn and pick up as many of the Easter eggs and other things, you know, there's like presents and stuff that they pick up. A mad day. I mean, this is how Christianity has degenerated into Protestantism. Yes, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Easter Bunny is actually actually a demon, yeah. a, 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 a comfy, cozy little demon, right? All right, yeah. It's it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, what verse in in the Bible even suggests an Easter Bunny? Nowhere. Yeah, exactly. Nowhere. This is um, the reference more to fertility, I think. Bunnies and yeah. eggs. Come on. Oh, that's, isn't that paganism? <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? Okay. It is. So this is how Christianity has degenerated in the modern world. All right. Let's continue. Yes. Okay. So, uh, which borrowed, and quote, uh, distinctive religious beliefs and practices, end quote, yeah. um, from the uh, Bactria... Mar Margiana culture. I don't know what okay. that is. Yeah, so uh, he's basically, the article is basically confirming what we have said about Hinduism, namely that Brahmanism degenerated into Hinduism because the Hindus incorporated all these different religions into itself and became a polyglot conglomerate like the Catholic Church has done under the name of Christianity. Okay? Yes. So, uh, this syncretic influence is supported by at least 383 non-Indo-European words that were borrowed from this culture, including the god Indra and the ritual drink um, Soma, according to Anthony. Now, uh, uh, Soma goes all the way back into pre-Noah times, okay? 
Uh, my understanding, it was a, a consciousness-altering drug, okay, that people drunk, even the Sethites consumed it, okay? Uh, I don't know if it was alcoholic, but uh, I'll click on it and see if they give a definition uh, of Soma. Please continue. Okay. Uh, so here is then a quote, I guess, from, um, so it said, Many of the qualities of the Indarian god of mighty victory, Vere um, Theragna, were transferred to the adopted god Indra, who became the central deity of the developing old Indic culture. Indra was the subject of 250 hymns, a quarter of the uh, Rig Veda. He was associated more than any other deity with um, Soma, a stimulant drug, and a bracket, perhaps derived from Ependra, end bracket. Uh, mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, here, let, me, uh, let me interject here. Uh, non Indian researchers have proposed candidates for Soma, uh, like um, Amanita Muscaria. Psilocybin mushroom, <laughs> psilocybin cubensis, wild or Syrian rue, paganum, yeah, p- pagan, <laughs> paganum, harmata, etc. Okay, well, I think psilocybin mushroom must be a major ingredient. Back to you. Yeah, it's mushrooms. So they get yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, that sounds creepy. Yeah. <laughs> like LSD. Right? Yeah, that's a more an older form of LSD. Sounds like it, anyway. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, probably borrowed uh, from the uh, Bimak religion. Uh, his rise to prominence was a peculiar trait of the old Indian speakers. Okay. Um, okay. All right. So, uh, so we're seeing that the. Uh, the, the, the traditions that have come down to us are so convoluted that uh, they're, un, they're unrecognizable from original Brahmanic religion. Okay. All right. So, okay. So let's go ahead and switch to the other article because, you know, obviously this is secular commentary about things they know nothing about, <laughs> you know, except traditions brought down by various non-Christians and non-Hebrew Israelites. Okay. So let's go into this other article, uh, Hinduism, early Hinduism. This is from the Encyclopedia Britannica. And have you got that one? Oh, I'm working on it. Uh, well, okay. I will get it. I will get it. I thought yeah. it was the other one. Hinduism from Britannica. Yeah, there yeah. I have it. Yeah, so let me put, post this here because you know we're a little bit off topic. But I just wanted to show people that the evidence is that the earliest versions of Vedic religion were very, very close to Hebrew religion and have degenerated from there. And that's why modern academics have no idea of the true origins of Vedic religion. Okay? All right. Mm -hmm. So, oh, I have to correctly put the link in the chat room here. Okay, this is the Encyclopedia Britannica, Hinduism, early Hinduism. And this shows that uh, Hinduism is not Vedic. All right. Back to you. Okay. Shall I start up then with the first one? Early Hinduism, and that's second century BC to the fourth century CE. So okay. this, that, yeah, go ahead. 
and this then covers the VDEC uh, that we spoke about now uh, recently. Right, yeah. So, as I've been saying, Hinduism is no older than 300 BC, okay? And so, but Hindu Hindus themselves say, oh, we're the oldest religion on the planet. No, you're not. <laughs> you're just a conglomeration of earlier religions. That's what Hinduism really is. All right, so let's pick it up. Early Hinduism, 2nd century BC to 4th century. Yes. AD, the, okay. The centuries immediately preceding the following uh, the dawn of the common era were marked by the recension of the two great Sanskrit epics, the Ramayana and the Mahabharata. Mahabharata, yeah, the Mahabharata. Uh, yeah. <laughs> then yeah. again, then a bracket. The later incorporations into the um, um, I cannot Bhag- really pronounce it. Bhagavad Gita. Okay, so the Bhagavad Gita is much earlier than either the Ramayana or the Mahabharata. Okay, although the Mahabharata incorporates a lot of early Indian history, such as flying saucers, uh, flying machines, nuclear explosions. The Mahabharata essentially tells the story of war before Genesis chapter 1. In fact, uh, there are places in India that are still radioactive from uh, these uh, wars, okay? So again, the Mahabharata, although it's not Vedic, it is a very, very old history, purports to be the oldest history in the world. Now, this shows you that Sethite culture was very literate, very, very literate, okay, compared to other parts of the world, which have... uh, very, very few writings coming down you know, from ancient history. But uh, the Indo-Aryan literature is very, very old and, and demonstrates how literate this culture was way back, even, even prehistoric times. Okay? So we can say that that book is describing then the history before this time when the Earth was, uh, yeah. was dark, the, the, the yeah. times when you have Atlantis and all those. Right. And, uh, you know, because Genesis chapter 1 says uh, the the earth was void and it didn't say it, it was created that way it had become that's the word language used in genesis 1 and verse 2 that the earth had become void and uninhabited etc okay so yahweh had to make a fresh start and that's that's covered in uh the hebrew scriptures genesis chapters 1 primarily genesis chapter 1 yeah and okay. we are the fresh start amen <laughs> Although we're becoming rancid as we get too ripe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So the worship of um, Vishnu incarnate at Krishna in the uh, Maharabda uh, and Ma, yeah. Rama yeah. in mm-hmm. uh, the Ramayana developed significantly during this period. Um, and then bracket, see below, epics and uh, Puranas, end bracket, as did the cult of Shiva, who plays an active role in the uh, Mahabharata. Uh, I yeah, cannot yeah. see it the same. Yeah, ma, yeah just uh, uh, separating the two. So, Mahabharata. Mahabharata. Okay. Mahabharata. Yeah, Maha. Maha is the first syllable, like Mama. <laughs> Mahabharata. Okay, so and, uh, it's just a matter of getting used to the Sanskrit. You know, it's a, it's a totally and Ramayana, right? These are all Sanskrit, Bhagavad Gita, uh, 
I, I've studied this religion extensively, and so you know, I'm familiar with these words. But uh, yeah, uh, there's a disconnect between the Vedas and the Upanishads, which are very much uh, philosophical and religious texts versus the Mahabharata and the Ramayana, which are mainly historical texts, okay? So uh, there's, there's a difference between these two. They, there will be some overlap between the two, but that's essentially the difference, okay? All right, so the rise of the major sects. Oh, then maybe you want to help me with this one too. <laughs> well, okay, well, let me just read the, the title here. The yeah. rise of the major Vaishnavism, Vaishnavism, Shaivism, and Shaktism, and, uh, and they mentioned Jainism and uh, Buddhism as well uh, in the text here. So, Shaivite monks, Pashupatas, all right? You really just have to uh, differentiate the words into the, uh, what do you call it, uh, component syllables, right? Okay. But yeah, Vaishnavism, Shaivism, and Shaktism. And I think Shakti is uh, power, if I'm not mistaken, means power. You know, basically the power of God, but also the power of uh, the universe, uh, 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 hydrogen bomb explosions, which are documented in the Mahabharata. The Mahabharata is essentially a documentation of the warfare, which Dr. Wesley Swift would call the uh, the battles between the titans and the invading uh, fallen ones that fell to the earth, the Naga. Right as they're recorded in Hinduism, the Naga being the fallen angels, okay, and uh, etc. Et okay, so Indian culture records all this stuff from the prehistoric era. All right, all right. So pick it up with the Vedic god Rudra. Yes. So the Vedic god Rudra gained importance from the end of the Rig Vedic period in the Svet uh, Svet uh, Ashvata. Vatara, um, yep, we got it. <laughs> Upanishad, um, right? Uh, Ru- Rudra is for the first time called Shiva, and is uh, described as the creator, preserver, and destroyer of the universe. There you go. Right, there was a lot of creating and destruction going on before Genesis one, <laughs> right? And Rudra is uh, simply a renaming of the creator God. Uh-huh. So as time goes on, Vedic religion gave new names. You know, first it was Brahman, the deified Abraham, and then it went to these various other gods, and they all took their turns being the supreme god. Okay, and uh, you, know, you can see how Hinduism degenerates into many gods through this analysis here. Yes. Um, so his followers are called on the worship. Uh, on to worship him with uh, devotion, and that is then a bracket. Uh, ba- bhakti. Ba- bhakti. bhakti, bhakti, yeah, devotion. Um, the tendency for the lazy to form themselves into religious guides or so- societies, guilds, yeah, guild like a worker guild, yeah, carpenters, guild. electricians. <laughs> I think they had electricians in those days <laughs> before in the Mahabharata. Uh, they, they had all kinds of powerful devices uh, going on in those days, which have all been lost because the entire planet was virtually destroyed 
only a few uh, people survived in the high high mountains, such as the Andes and the Himalayas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, above the clouds, uh, societies above the clouds where the poison gases did not reach. Okay. Okay, so maybe yeah. they have some very interesting uh, in their yeah. culture that we can learn from about that time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, evident in the case of the um, Yaksha cults, um, Buddhism, and Jainism. Giant, Jainism. Jainism. Is yeah. that then like giants? Is no, that okay. uh, you, just, you never know. <laughs> uh, but I think, uh, yeah, it's a good question. I haven't really delved into Jainism much. Mithraism, I know a lot about, and uh, you have all. You can see that the original Vedic religion is degenerating into these various cults. Okay, just like Christianity <laughs> has become various cults like Catholicism, uh, you know, sectarianism. Oh, uh, you know. Uh, not not just uh, descendants of uh, Martin Luther, Lutheranism. You know, every every division under the sun, which combinations of Old Testament and New Testament. Some reject the New Testament altogether. Some reject the Old Testament altogether. And you can see how Christianity has degenerated into these cults, just as Brahmanic religion did. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, promoted the growth of the um, devotional uh, Vaishnavism and uh, um, Shaivism. Yeah, right. Okay, so uh, maybe just one more paragraph after this. We just wanted to show people that the original Vedic religion, a, a Brahmanic religion, did have bull sacrifice because. They're the descendants of Abraham and Keturah, so they continued the ritual of bull sacrifice or cow sacrifice, and somehow that disappeared as Brahmanic religion degenerated into these various sects, okay? So go ahead and finish this paragraph and the next one, and then we'll pick it up back with the article we had on Abraham and Brahma, okay? Okay, uh, these local associations of worship appear to have been principal factor in the spread of the new cults. Uh, theistic, um, asser- ascetics, ascetics mean uh, monks who live in a ca- mountain cave <laughs> and, and 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 live off of offerings by uh, worshippers, ah. donations. Yeah, so oh well, I mean the Christian monks did the same thing, right? Although the Christian monks had agriculture, so they would uh, you know grow their own food and had their own buildings and did commerce with the surrounding neighborhood, you know. But a lot of these ascetic monks just lived in the cave, uh, never coming out, you know, except maybe to get a little sunlight. And uh, you know, people would come and worship these monks as if they were holy guys. Uh, the same tradition exists. It's called shamanism, right? The the the, the shaman. Uh, was worshipped, you know, he, he could pronounce, he could see visions, probably because he drank Soma, right? We have the psilocybin mushroom out west, in the southwest of the, the United States. It's very common, right? So you can see, oh, man, I see visions. Yeah, is that something the hippies use? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I can guess. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, I continue are less in evidence at this time, though a community of um, um, 
Shaivite monks, the uh, Pash Upatas, existed by the second um, and third century CE. Okay, so this these monks never existed under Brahmanic religion. All right. So, okay. So I think yeah, I think we can uh, probably skip the rest of this. Uh, the point of going in this direction is to show that original Vedic religion was completely different from Hinduism. Uh, Vedic religion ultimately degenerated into Hinduism with its multitude, millions and millions of gods and goddesses, which was never practiced by the Brahmanic Vedas. Never. Okay. Had nothing to do with any of that. Okay. All right. So let's go back to Abraham and Brahma because we want to establish the historical connection between Brahmanic religion and Abraham. Okay, so we left off at section 7, and I'll put the link in the chat room here as you pick it up on section 7, the title of which is Brahma and Abraham as Mighty Defender. Okay, if you would pick it up from there. Yes, so number 1. Brahma is the Lord of Warfare with prayer for protection against wicked men uh, to Bra- Brahman, Brahman's party, Ahum for protection in battle, and with uh, Brihas party, like a fort of refuge, while Abraham defeats, defeat, uh, defeats uh, four kings. And this is then here with a biblical reference to Genesis 14, and that is 8 until 15. Okay. Uh, number two then. Brihas uh, uh, Pathi won the captives, and then we have a bracket. Cows, sign of spirits of the dead, and there we have the cows. Okay, yeah, all right. Bracket down from the mountains, while Abraham rescued his nephew Lot, kidnapped by the four kings. And this is again from and then the biblical references Genesis fourteen eight until fifteen. 15 as well. Yeah, yeah, you see all these similarities between Brahmanic religion and the life of Abraham, which you would never suspect unless you did a comparison of the two, right? And obviously the academic world doesn't suspect these things either. All right, so let's continue. Um, Brias Pathi protects us from of- offenders in all directions. While Abraham is called to a divine covenant where his ancestor would inherit the land he viewed in every direction. Oh, means de- of- yeah, that's what I'm saying. It means his descendants, not yeah, his ancestors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> okay. And you can skip the Vedic sources. Yeah, those are just verses. Unless you're familiar with the Vedas, you had no idea what these references are about. Okay. Yeah, but the biblical reference for that one was Genesis 13, 14. Okay, very good. Mm, okay, so Abraham trusted in a Brahma-like God, knowing the battle belongs to the Lord. Yes, amen, that's what it does, but no mm-hmm. Brahma, Brahma, that is Abraham, yeah. trusted in Yahweh. Exactly. Brahma is Abraham deified. Yeah. Okay. Even if he was afraid, he did not hesitate, and so trusted fully in God, his shield and strength. Um, his head was always in... Uh, paradise viewing circumstances on the earth from the divine perspective. That's how we should do it. That's how we should be. Uh, Yahshua said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Yes. Okay. You should carry it around with you. Yes. But modern Christians are looking for heaven (laughs) when it's inside of them if they practice Yahweh's laws. 
Yeah, but they have fear inside of them for COVID. Oh, exactly. They so need that, an injection of uh, biblical <laughs> truth. <laughs> and here, I've got a I've got a syringe for you. It's called biblical truth. Let me poke you and inject some. Yeah, and that will give you calm and will give you peace. Oh, yeah. And, and nothing nothing can ever get me better than that. Yeah. If if you're being persecuted on every side, be calm because Jesus says your redemption draweth nigh. Yes. Boy, and we are in tribulation, are we not? Oh yeah, we are. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are encouraging word that he said here about Abraham, how he should view how not be afraid because look now, now we have this battle against those needles instead. Right. Yep. Yeah, and remember those uh, Hindus that lay on a carpet of needles <laughs> to prove their uh, mind over matter? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, these people develop these these skills where they can ignore pain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. Where there was no life, Abraham brought life by digging wells where there was human acting unkindly to the poor. Abraham rescued them, not even plundering his enemy, where God's own justice was uh, raining down on Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham uh, tempered the the wrath like the deluge-forming rivers of the um, Siva's hair. Okay. Now, remember, I forget if it's Lot or Abraham, uh, implored Yahweh not to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and Yahweh said, well, if you can find 10 good people, 10 honest people in Sodom and Gomorrah, I won't destroy it. But he couldn't find 10. Well, how about five, Yahweh? Well, he couldn't find five. <laughs> uh, he couldn't find one. So, okay, Yahweh, take it. Uh, you know, do as you please. Yeah. Look today. How is it today? Right. Look in our modern society. Right. Now, by the way. Uh, there's, I forget what they're called, they're little round pellets of melted sand that form, uh, uh, there's only two kinds of explosions that can form these types of pellets, and that is nuclear explosions and meteoric explosions. So Sodom and Gomorrah had to be hit by a meteor or by a nuclear explosion, one or the other or both, okay? But most people would assume it's a meteor striking those two cities and that whole territory because that area is littered with these tiny glass balls that are only formed by extremely hot explosions such as a meteoric explosion, okay? But you also find those in India where they claim that there was a nuclear explosion, and you will find them around the world uh, where, uh, you know, like in the, the sands of Nevada where they exploded the atomic bomb. You'll find these little glass pellets there as well. Yeah. Okay. But uh, what did the secular world say about that? The Sodom and Gomorrah. Look, here was Sodom and Gomorrah. It was said it was destroyed. Now look yeah. here. Yeah, they f- and they found it. And they found these glass balls at the site. Yeah. Uh, marbles. <laughs> That's probably where the game of marbles was was begun. Now, let me uh, comment on the next title here, section 8. Brahma and Abraham as righteous plunderer. I wouldn't call Abraham a plunderer. Uh, He he went to war against the four kings and a few others. But uh, when you go to war, you know, you... 
you take the spoils of war. You know, I mean, that's what war is. Okay. But there were times where Abraham didn't want to attack a country, but found it necessary, and he didn't plunder them. He, you know, the survivors. He let the survivors have their stuff, right? So uh, I wouldn't refer to Abraham as a plunderer. You know, these are spoils of war. Back to you. Yeah, I agree. That's uh, and then the one he did also was if they were of Edomite descent, Canaanites. Yeah. Yeah, and there were times where Yahweh said, I don't want you, to, especially with the Canaanites, I don't want you, I don't even want you to take their gold because it's been infected by, by Canaanite uh, you know, goo, <laughs> by Canaanite goo, and I don't even want you to touch their stuff. Saul disobeyed that command, and uh, he was punished by Yahweh for that. Yeah, he were. Mm-hmm. He lost. Okay. Um, he lost uh, the king. The what is that? That's say? right. He, he lost the kingship. Yep. Yeah, he did. Okay, so um, this then Brahma and Abraham as righteous plunder. One well, number one. Brahma is lord of boon of war, and offerings of boons are sent to Brahma's world. Mm-hmm. While Abraham defeats the four kings and retrieve the war boon but then refuses it, allowing the spoils to be returned to the five kings, of which it belonged, and Abraham put his trust in God alone as shield and reward. Okay, so he was not a plunderer, he was not an angry chieftain who plunders people for the sake of plundering, like Genghis Khan, right? He did it because it was necessary, and he took pity on the survivors. Yeah, not compared to the Edomite Jews doing today. Right. By the way, that's the way the Americans have engaged in war, right? Until recently, of course, all right? Uh, Even the Civil War, you know, when uh, General Grant and uh, – what's the king? Uh, uh, King, (laughs) the the leader of Virginia. uh, His name escapes me right now. But, uh, you know, they just shook hands after the war, and General Grant uh, said, you know, all your officers can retain their swords – uh, but Lincoln said, well, every every white person in the South can can now vote again, okay, except those who took arms against the North. So even there, uh, Abraham, <laughs> Abraham Lincoln was a very uh, generous to the South. Other, other kings would have just gone in and destroyed them out of vengeance, okay? Yeah, and right. you were describing how the Russian, uh, for example, if the Rus- when the Russians did take Swedish uh, uh, officers and soldiers to captive when Sweden was in, in war with them, then the, often the Russian gave the, the Swedish officer their sword back. Yeah. And they were right. captives. Right. Yes. And it's the same, okay. same, uh, same goes there as well. Yeah. But today's wars are wars of annihilation. Yeah. Total and annihilation. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah. To make people not kill them, just make them hurt, and just make more money. Right, exactly. Yeah, they, they keep the enemy alive in order to stage more wars in the future, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jewish mm. wars. Uh, yes, so. it is. Okay, let's continue. And this was a reference to Genesis 14, and that is 16 and 22. Number two. The fivefold gift of Brahman, Brahman's Pathi. Uh, is likened to Abraham retrieving the spoils of the five kings. Um, Man, I don't know what that is. Maybe that's a Brahma. Manu, yeah. 
Manu, okay. Uh, teaching and, and bracket and studying and bracket is the sacrifice and then in bracket offered and bracket to Brahman. The off the and then a bracket of uh, offerings of water and food called and bracket uh, tarpana, the sacrifice to the mains, the burnt uh, oblation, the sacrifice offered to the gods, the barley offerings that uh, offered to the uh, bu uh, butas and the hospitable reception of guests, the offerings of men. And then two men, right, two men. Yeah. Gifts of Abraham. Okay. So in other words, you can see that this is a corruption of the various accounts of Abraham where he offered the angels that came to his tent, offered them food, southern hospitality, right? Uh, that he was very hospitable to everybody that came along, and he was actually kind and generous to the people he defeated in war, okay? Which we Aryans have always been, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, when we invaded Africa, even though those invasions were precipitated by Jewish merchants, okay, nevertheless, we were very kind to the survivors. We built them roads, hospitals, museums, right? Uh, tried to convert them to Christianity, which is something which we never should have done and which has failed miserably, etc. We gave them civilization, in India, we actually ended the rite of widow burning, which, by the way, has come back since the British left. Okay? My oh. Yeah, widow burning. Isn't that a wonderful tradition? Okay. <laughs> we can ask, uh, ask the women about that. Is that easy? Yeah, right. Uh, I, I'm sure the women, the married women of Indian society, all pray that they die first. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes. And then I'm going to read this, uh, the Bali offering. That sounds like Baal to me, but I don't know if I'm completely wrong when I see those names. I don't know. Yeah. No, well, yeah, they're difficult to read. It was General Lee. I don't know why I couldn't think of his name. But, yeah. Uh, so uh, let's get back uh, to this. Uh, where were you? Uh, I have oh. said the name. You have the Bali offerings. Is that no? Is that reference to Baal? Or is could just... be. Yeah, it could be. That's probably where the nation of Bali got its name from. You know, this this ritual, right? Again, everything's getting perverted. Yeah. Right. Okay. And here they have some. Here have a lot more biblical references also from C five gifts of Abraham from Genesis twenty one twelve and or fourteen twenty eighteen uh, one until eight. 22, 1 until 13, 21, yeah. 14, and Genesis 25, 6. Right. Now, of course, Genesis 21, 12 is the famous statement, in Isaac shall thy seed, thy offspring, be called. Okay. So, obviously, the Indo-Aryans don't refer to them as themselves as Saxons, but both sets of people are Aryans, Adamites. Okay. But, uh, of course, the reason why Abraham sent the, the sons of Keturah east was so that they would not interfere in the inheritance of Isaac because he's the chosen one. Yes. All right? And for the same reason, uh, Hagar and Ishmael were cast out 
so that they could not interfere with the inheritance of Isaac and obviously Jacob and the 12 tribes, which we, the Anglo-Saxons, Caucasians, are the inheritors of. If we would wake up and realize who we are, right? But whether we wake up or not, the kingdom will belong to us because the book of Revelation says it's the 144,000 are the 12,000 of each of the 12 tribes and nobody else. Yes, and it doesn't belong to the Jews. No, it doesn't belong to the Jews, and it doesn't even belong to the other uh, families of the white race. But but we're supposed to be the light to them because they've all strayed from the path of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but nevertheless, we are kinsmen, and therefore, you know, we love our, our racial kinsmen, okay? But yes. we're supposed to be their light. Under an, uh, The entire Aryan world will unite under Yahshua when he returns. There's no doubt about that. Yes. Okay? Forward for that. Yep. Okay, so the correlation between uh, Brahma and Abraham in the fivefold sacrifice in the later book of Manu is telling of a long-standing shared tradition in India beyond the Vedas and um, Upanishads. It is not a question of whether Abraham's spirituality was transferred to the Hindu or vice versa. No, it was, uh, as I said earlier, the Sethites already resided there, especially in Kashmir. That Kashmir is the uh, what's the uh, Shangri-La? Kashmir is the Shangri-La of old because that was that that great valley uh, just on our side of the Himalayas, which was a very peaceful. Uh, had a lot of sunshine, uh, and uh, because it was uh, sheltered by the mountains around it. It was like, it was a paradise. <laughs> it was a paradise. The book of Adam and Eve suggests that that's where Adam and Eve settled mm-hmm. after they were kicked out of the garden. That's where, and it's reputed that their uh, graves are still there. Okay. All the people there say, well, here, here, this is the grave of Adam and Eve. Here it is. Okay. That's the tradition they have there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so there, there some we had the garden was in that vicinity. Near, certainly near there, yeah, to the west of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could have been in the Tigris-Euphrates. It's hard to pinpoint it, but probably in the Tigris-Euphrates because we have the four rivers there. Or it could be the Tarim Basin because there's four rivers up there. They could have gone east and south toward uh, Kashmir, or they could have gone straight east from uh, the Tarim Basin. Uh, uh, the Tigris and Euphrates, Mesopotamia, to Kashmir. Mm -hmm. Could be either. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's continue. But rather of the spiritual value at work, it is valuable enough to share, much like the fivefold offerings themselves, and it is bearing fruit among not only the Hindu and Buddhist, but the Muslims, Hebrews, and Christians as well. I think by Hebrews he means Jews. No, it won't. It won't find any fruit in them. <laughs> Actually, it's very interesting. The New Age movement is very much, certainly in the West, uh, growing in popularity. I don't know if it still is, but in the seventies, sixties, and seventies, it was. And it's all you know, bringing these East, so-called Eastern religions to the West. 
And I think the reason why our people have affinity for these religions is because they originally were Aryan religions, okay? But they've been terribly distorted through time. But one thing I found in studying, and in fact, I, I was a fellow traveler for a while just to see what it was all about. The Jews take the leading role in the New Age movement. All these gurus, all these so-called Western uh, you, you, uh, do some investigating. Many of them are Jews. Yeah. Okay. So Jews take the lead in misguiding uh, white people into these religions. Yeah, okay. I have this Sasha Stone. Right, yeah. Rockefeller descendant, I think it was from Rockefeller as well. Right. A lot of these so-called gurus are actually Jews who uh, play the role to mislead our people astray. That's what's really that's what the New Age movement is all about, folks. It's Jews leading white people astray yet again. Yeah, and I made first couple of week week ago I made a show on that and and found some of those controlled yeah. opposition as I call them, and they are very connected with yeah. those new age right. movement. And Sasha Stone is in the center of that. Right, right. Today is yeah, right. But we could probably uh, do a show about it, the various so-called gurus that have led the New Age movement by the nose, uh, typically they're Jews, yeah. Okay, I see we have about 10 minutes left. Uh, maybe we can get into Section 9, but uh, I, I think we've done uh, enough on this subject to conclude this series today, so please continue. Yeah, um, it is about celebrating a common treasure, since like a vast flowing river. It is an eternal valve. There is n- no need to hoard it. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, then we come into number nine. Um, Brahma and Abraham as uh, intercessor <coughs> for the poor. So, number one, Brahma mediates between heaven and earth, while Abraham intercedes for Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's the one you mentioned here in mm-hmm. Genesis 18, 20. Yeah. And, and and heaven did intercede. <laughs> There's no doubt about that, right? Yes. He tried to save them, but he couldn't because they were too evil. Yeah. Uh, Brahma is divine friend of humanity, while Abraham's seed is friend of God. Amen. And this is Isaiah 41, 8, I think. Yeah, that's what he mm. says. Abri Haspathi is friend of marriage. Okay, now one of the things, if you'll remember, the whole story of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, I can't remember, two or three angels came down, I think it was a three, that came down to visit Lot and warn him of the destruction to come, right? But the, the men of Sodom were so evil you know, because they could see the physical form of these angels and they immediately want to have sex with them, anal intercourse with these angels, such that Lot had to give them shelter in his home, <laughs> right? I mean, whoa. My, oh. Whoa. Okay. It's kind of like Las Vegas and uh, all the modern cities of the world, right? Yeah, I know. Especially, especially San Francisco. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Okay. Oof. Okay, uh, it better to be keep out of, from the city. Yeah, right. Amen. Um, the generosity of the divine, and then is a bracket. Brahma for the Hindu, L for the Hebrew, and bracket. 
um, is eternal. Abraham, in all humanity and trust, knew this about his God. Therefore, why not intercede for those who are uh, damned before the seat of divine justice? Why not ask Brahma or El to step down from the throne and be a friend? If the sacrifice of uh, breaching in and uh, breaching out, uh, of giving and receiving lives about, uh, bounty is eternal. Then there are no restrictions and by way of mercy are accessible to all. Okay, so this obviously this author is writing from the Hindu perspective, right? And obviously the Hebrew religion, everything depends on our obeying his laws. And if we don't obey his laws, then the bounty is withheld from us. In fact, we reaped the whirlwind. We reaped destruction. But nevertheless, what he's saying here, this belief is common among modern Judeo-Christians and the New Age movement. Just trust in your God and be nice and you'll you'll be happy, right? Yeah. No, I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way, folks. It doesn't yeah. work that way. Yeah, like the new- yeah. go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you've run into these people. Yeah, I have, I have. And this, they also have the reference to the universe and stuff like this. <laughs> right, yeah, right. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, breathe in and breathe out, you know. Uh, and, and uh, you know, all they have to do is think it and it'll be, it'll happen. No, it doesn't work that way. We, we normal human beings don't have that much power. We do have the, some of us have the power to heal, Right. Even in Chicago, there have been uh, roving healers who have healed people of their illnesses. Uh, there was a famous uh, he- healing preacher that passed through Chicago. He was even arrested because he didn't have a medical license, right? And that would happen to Jesus when he comes through. So uh, you see this hope, hopium, and uh, hope and change, right? Uh, w- without any foundation, in scripture, yeah, that goes nowhere, right? But this is what Hinduism, this is the New Age movement, this is modern Judeo-Christianity. It's all, if you just have a good intention, yeah, then God will reward you for your good intention. No, it doesn't work that way. Follow his law and we have to, we have to do the word, not just say. Mm-hmm. So yeah. kind of uh, uh, faith without actions is dead. Yes. And now I'm paraphrasing, but still, that's the, that's the, we need to do, we have to act upon this, the stuff that we learn and the stuff that we read in scriptures also. Right. Okay. Enough. Um, so, start up with number 10 and see how long I can reach here. Yeah. Uh, Brahma and Abraham as champion of the underworld. Okay. Yeah. Now, this one. does not necessarily mean hell, but it could. We'll see. Uh, Brahma digs into the underworld to retrieve the sacred cow cows slays demons and finds again the light bringing peace between heaven and earth and here we have a bracket human of uh, Brias party retrieving the cows from the underworld and bracket while Abraham dug a well um, contested by uh, Abi Malik in which they made a covenant by offering up sheep and oxen to bring peace between the nations. 
and that is from Genesis 21, 25 until 34. Yeah. Uh, the Vedic rivers of the underworld are unleashed on earth, as mm-hmm. in the great deluge of Noah, Abraham's ancestor. In another Hindu account, Brahma and uh, Sarasvati's first son and first human being, named Manu, is Noah figure of the Hindu flood. He, okay. from, from the depth, hath been reborn forever, Brias Parti, the world's sole lord and ruler. Um, Abraham purchased a cave for a burial of his family. Abraham's father, Terah, is the tenth generation from uh, relation to Noah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So again, we see these similarities between Vedic religion and Hebrew religion. And it's various offshoots because uh, um, the uh, biblical religion you know, of uh, the patriarchs is just one offshoot of uh, Noah, Noahic or Noahide religion. Okay, there's various offshoots of it, including the paganism of Terah. Yeah. Abraham's father. Okay. Chaldean yeah. religion. Yeah. Yeah, and Abraham was, uh, yeah, hey, leave your father because all his, all his uh, idol, idol worship, I guess. Right. Exactly. That's what he had. Yeah, right. Okay. And the modern world is full of idol worship. Totally uh-huh. full of idol worship. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the biggest idols is television and yeah. governments. Right, right. I would say, look yeah. at people today. They fear their government as this a god. Oh, yeah. I have, I have yeah. to do the test. I have to follow the COVID. Oh, blah, blah, blah. No, yeah, yeah. It's not they, your they, god. They worship the god of COVID. Yeah, that's the a god, god of COVID is a human being. It's Doctor Fauchistein. Yeah, or in Sweden, the Swedish, uh, um, the Swedish equivalent of them. <laughs> right, exactly, and Bill Gates. Bill Gates, the biggest financier of the god of Fauci, <laughs> right? Yes. Right. Yes. But I guess he's just a front, front man to the Rothschild. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. They don't show themselves so much. It's only uh, Gates well, that will get the heat. Well, just like the pagan gods, you remember the, the episode where Abraham broke all the, the idols in Terra's uh, you know, room? side room, right, where he believed that these idols were actually consuming food, but it was the priests hiding under those uh, vessels, right, and and eating the food and leaving the scrap, pushing out the empty plate, (laughs) right, and Terra said, see, the gods ate the food, I'm sorry, uh, non-earthly gods don't consume food, (laughs) they don't need food, right, so, yeah, I mean, has the planet learned anything in the last 2,500 years, 3,000 years? Not very much. Not very much, unfortunately. Yep. Unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, that's how it is. That's... I would say, let's see what this year will bring now, if they will pushing of this uh, COVID year. 2020, I think 2022 is going to be good for us because more and more people are denouncing COVID as a fraud. More and more people, especially scientists and doctors, which is very important. The mass media is no longer influencing people like it used to. And, uh, and uh, one uh, speaker was at a convention 
of 8,000 people, and he asked the question, how many of you people know, know who is either killed or injured by a vaccine you know, in, in 2021? And he said, half the audience raised their hands. Okay. So we'll see. The Great Awakening, uh, I guess your mother and father, brother and sister have to die from the shot before you'll wake up. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, I think that, unfortunately, is what needs, people need to get hurt. Yeah. Because otherwise, it doesn't affect them. Yeah, yeah, they just believe the lies. Just yeah. like Eve believed the lie of Nakash, that fallen angel being, right, that seduced her. What do you mean? She, do, we have, do we have a lot of, of Eves out in the world, even the yeah. one that calls themselves men? <laughs> that's, that's true, too, right? <laughs> right? Feminives. Oh yeah. yeah, the effeminate, I guess. <laughs> that also means effeminate men and women. Yeah, I forget which verse in the New Testament uh, in one of Paul's epistles. The effeminate shall not inherit the kingdom of God. <laughs> okay. There's the music. Take it All right. Thank you, Michael. Take care, everybody. Stay tuned to Eurofolk Radio because Brother Abear has a couple of uh, shows coming forward before Mochi. Take care. Yahweh bless everybody.